Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Hello, uh, my name is Lars Lander. I'm the Secretary General of FEPS, the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. And you are listening to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of uh, the Foundation. And this is exactly the 50th episode of the FEPS Talks, which we launched uh, last year. And um, I have the pleasure to welcome for this special 50th um, edition of the FEPS Talks, uh, Professor Enrico Giovannini. And um, uh, Professor Giovannini is someone I uh, came to know as a minister because that was the first time when we met, when he was the Minister of Labour and uh, Social Affairs in Italy. But um, obviously, we knew that previously he had been the chief statistician of the OECD, uh, developing the concept of uh, beyond the GDP uh, to, to measure much more than uh, just the national output of um, an economy and uh, develop policies uh, to, to support um, economic, uh, social, environmental, as well as institutional sustainability. And um, since we met, of course, um, we had many other opportunities to cooperate. Professor Giovannini uh, made a very important contribution to developing uh, the program of the Socialists and Democrats for the 2019 European Parliament elections under the title uh, Sustainable Equality. So Enrico, welcome to this uh, program of uh, FEBS. It's really a great honor uh, to have you uh, on this program. And uh, let me start with a very topical question because I was informed that this week you organized a program which is called the Festival of Sustainable Development in Italy. And this is really a kind of impressive idea because uh, most of us would consider sustainable development some kind of academic idea. How can you have festivals about it? Can you really popularize an idea like this? Thank you, Laszlo. Thank you for inviting me. And it's a great pleasure to share with you the Italian experience. Actually, a few months after the signature of the 2030 agenda, by the way, today is the fifth anniversary of the signature of the 2030 agenda for sustainable development by the UN General Assembly. Uh, I propose to establish the Italian Alliance for Sustainable De Development, which brings now more than 270 organizations all over Italy, um, business associations, uh, trade unions, uh, volunteering organizations, environmental organizations, research institutes, and so on and so forth. Among the other activities, we launched four years ago in 2007, this crazy idea of uh, a festival of sustainable development. And then uh, it's interesting because we look for an Italian city where we could have a nice and small festival, like the Festival of Economics and so on and so forth. And we found that all the most suitable cities were already occupied, were already busy with their own festival. 
So we um, said, uh, why don't we organize it uh, all over Italy, across the different cities, territories? In 2017, we had uh, 200 events, 700 events uh, in uh, 2018, to 1,000 events in 2019. And of course, uh, we normally we have the festival between May and June. And this year, because of COVID-19, we were pushed to move it uh, to 17 days because actually the festival takes 17 days, exactly like the 17 goals of sustainable development. Mm -hmm. And it's quite amazing. We started on Tuesday this week. We will finish on 8th of October. Uh, we have now registered almost 800 events, which is really remarkable in a so difficult year. Mostly uh, are virtual events, but some of them are also physical, of course, respecting mm -hmm. The security rules. And this was very important to make uh, the concept of sustainable development popular. Uh, we built uh, the network of uh, universities for sustainable development, which now um, brings together almost 80 universities, all the universities we have in Italy. And uh, for example, last year, the network uh, organized 300 events in universities by universities, with students, and so on and so forth. And uh, also this year, uh, we have uh, several events. We as ASBIS organize almost 19 events, and uh, 19 events. And we were shocked by the fact that the first event uh, on Tuesday had uh, 105,000 followers who uh, followed uh, the, the meeting. So Italy is uh, very interested in this topic as the um, population uh, uh, polls uh, show. But now, of course, we are going to face a huge political uh, problem in uh, preparing the plan for recovery and resilience, which is all built around the concept of sustainability, resilience, and uh, fairness. Mm. You didn't mention well-being. I know you have also been working a lot on defining and measuring well-being. Is this also a concept you discuss in the festival? Absolutely, yes. Uh, um, when I left uh, the OECD and I became uh, uh, president of the Italian Statistical Office, I tried to implement uh, in our country the wealth of experiences and ideas that we were able to put together, including uh, the famous Stiglitz Commission uh, on recommendations on how to measure uh, progress. And uh, we had built over the years since 2004 a series of world fora on these topics. The first, by the way, was in Italy in 2004, Palermo. And then uh, we developed uh, at the Italian Statistical Office a set of indicators on what we call equitable and sustainable well-being. Mm. articulated in 12 different domains, economic, social, environmental, and institutional. And in 2013, just before leaving uh, to be a minister, we published the first report. In a sense, we anticipated the sustainable development goals. And in fact, if you compare 
the SDGs uh, with the equitable and sustainable development indicators, you find a very high overlapping. Mm -hmm. The good news is that uh, in Italy, these indicators uh, uh, became a part of the budget cycle, public budget cycle. In fact, uh, in April, since 2019, uh, in April, when the government prepares its economic and financial plan according to the rules of the European semester, they have to publish an annex where the expected policies, proposed policies, must be simulated also vis-a-vis uh, -vis 12 indicators, including economic, of course, but instead of GDP, we look at uh, the uh, real disposable income of uh, mm -hmm. households, corrected for the services received by the public sector and the non-profit organizations. We look at uh, poverty rates, inequality indicators, obesity, and uh, life expectancy for, uh, well, for health, uh, CO2 emissions, uh, but also the consumption of land. And then we look at crime and so on. And the government is obliged to simulate the impact for the next three, four years of the proposed policies. And then in February, after the adoption of the budget law, they have to re-simulate the, mm -hmm. their models not in terms of plans, but in terms of actual decisions incorporated in the budget law. So that was something that anticipated, in a sense, the Sustainable Development Goals, the new semester. Therefore, we decided to embrace the concept of sustainable development instead of using the other one, but at the end of the day, they are very similar. Mm. Um, I think it's a very important question what uh, the European institutions could do or should do in order to support this approach. Because in some countries, as you explained also in Italy, uh, there can be more advanced thinking and policy practice to incorporate sustainability and well-being in the process of governance. But maybe in other countries, this is a very distant idea. Um, what, in your view, uh, the European Union could do in order to ensure that Europe together, uh, as a community, uh, moves towards um, the standards which we all um, uh, would like to see? Well, first of all, I think that we have to underline what the European Union has done or is doing, also thanks to the report that uh, we've produced, as you said, in 2019, and you were part of it, of course, indeed. because uh, some of those ideas have uh, indeed been incorporated in the priorities of the European, Union, or the European Union since the new commission led by Ursula von der Leyen started. By the way, you remember that uh, Ursula was Minister of Labor uh, in Germany. Uh, we worked very well together with you when you were commissioner um, to launch uh, the youth guarantee, for example. Yes. Uh, we come back to this. Yes. Uh, some of those ideas uh, that were included in that report uh, now are actual policies. First of all, uh, von der Leyen uh, gave a clear mandate to, to all commissioners and vice presidents to be responsible to implement 
the 2030 agenda to achieve the sustainable development goals by 2030. Second, she decided to have a very clear monitoring of uh, what's going on through Eurostat uh, and Gentiloni's cabinet, by the way. Third, not only the Green New Deal and all the proposals really to make uh, this uh, transition uh, uh, very important also on the social sphere, the European semester has been now uh, incorporating uh, the Sustainable Development Goals. And in fact, uh, uh, the annual growth survey is not called uh, in that way anymore. Now it's called uh, um, Annual Sustainable Growth Survey. They didn't take on board our recommendation to mm. call it the Sustainable Development Survey. But anyway, the environmental domain has been incorporated now in analysis of different countries. And then the specific recommendations are covering also not only economic, not only social, but also environmental and institutional points. Finally, with the decision about the next generation EU, mm. that must be spent addressing the recommendations uh, coming from the European semester, one can see the linkages between all these steps. So at this stage, I think uh, that Europe uh, needs to keep going in this direction with a difference uh, uh, compared to what uh, has been done so far. The social dialogue and the stimulus to national uh, civil societies to take responsibility for that. ASVIS uh, is a quite unique experience, not only in Europe, but worldwide. For those who are more interested, there are also documents in English, including our annual report. We will publish the next one, uh, the 8th of October in, uh, before, and we will present it before the Prime Minister, where we issue policy recommendations. We not only monitor what's going on, statistically, but also on a legal sphere, but we provide recommendations. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of other things. And uh, what the Commission should do is to simulate the creation of similar civil society organizations in all European countries. Right. Regarding sustainability, Ursula von der Leyen, Commission President, your former colleague, just announced in the speech on the State of the Union that you know, the European Union would need to increase the ambition regarding uh, greenhouse emissions and the goal, the target, which was 40% to reduce uh, emission would be increased to 55%. I would assume that uh, you very much endorse this, but is this not a kind of too narrow focus in terms of what kind of targets can be used for the sake of uh, sustainability? Should we not have a kind of broader spectrum of targets? Your point is very well taken, but again, uh, needs to be seen uh, as a uh part of a package. First of all, uh, the COVID-19 crisis clarified to everybody, I would say, that uh, sustainability is not about environmental issues, but also economic, social, and uh, institutional risks. And uh, we touched in, in some way very closely what could mean social unsustainability. And we are still in the middle of uh, this crisis, so this is not gone away. What does it mean that uh, if uh, 
uh, we do not uh, recover quickly from this situation, not, not only in terms of GDP, but in terms of employment, reduction of poverty, implementation of the social pillar that you know very well, of course, we uh, will never be able to force uh, the economic system to be more uh, ambitious on uh, emission targets. The concept of just transition now is very well known, very nice to quote, but how to make it happening in a situation where the crisis is already hitting the poorest, this is something that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. I like very much uh, the way in which uh, the Commission uh, has uh, prepared its uh, uh, guidelines for the preparation of national plans of recovery and resilience. They were published last week. They're very detailed, and for each and every investment and reform, countries are obliged to describe who will benefit from that intervention, who will be penalized by that. Mm. Therefore, the question of uh, having uh, together the ecological transition, the social sustainability, and uh, social progress, not only economic, is already in uh, the picture and also in the tools. But indeed, the emphasis needs to be rebalanced in order to have both uh, social sustainability and environmental sustainability. Here, we have a statistical problem. Mm-hmm but also is a conceptual problem Mm -hmm. that we understood that in 2001-2002, when at the OECD we were started trying to measure sustainable development. For environmental issues, you have science that tells you what are the thresholds beyond which environment or people actually get very bad. This concept of thresholds do not exist for social sustainability, simply because we do not have a shared view of what the theory of revolution is about. But this doesn't mean that thresholds do not exist. They may be different by country, they may be different uh, over time, but it's quite clear that I... I could make a bet that we will not see any government destabilized because of uh, environmental sustainability. Mm-hmm. Why we risk to see a lot of governments really falling down because of social unsustainability, even if we are not able to describe what it means. Well, um, this is a very important point because I wanted to go back to the question of the use guarantee which you highlighted from our common endeavors. And indeed, um, this was something um, developed at the EU level in 2012 and 13, you know, launched with um, a lot of attention and some financial support also from the European Union budget, but very, very uneven implementation. And uh, let's be honest, um, Italy was always uh, mentioned among the countries that have been struggling, lagging behind, not really successful. Uh, with the implementation of uh, the use guarantee. And I think it would be very important to figure out why exactly this mixed experience uh, was um, uh, uh, observed and uh, what could be done differently, what should be done differently uh, in the current crisis, which is, of course, a different crisis than the one, you know, seven or eight years uh, before. But some lessons can obviously be uh, used from the previous one. I spent uh, a lot of time during those 
10 months uh, to try to build a serious scheme for um, the youth guarantee. We learned a lot from Germany, from other countries, and I left to my successor uh, a so almost fully-fledged agreement also with regions because Italy has a, a special, maybe is a special case, not really the only one, where the responsibility of active labor policies are a competence of regions not of the uh, state. Uh, the program started uh, by the Renzi government, but then the Renzi government proposed uh, to make uh, a constitutional reform that uh, was supposing to move the responsibility for active labor policies from regions uh, to the state. At the end of 2016, uh, the constitution uh, reform was rejected by Italians. But this meant that uh, there were two years of fights almost every day between the state and the regions about who had to do what. Therefore, the uh, construction that we had built that was supposed, uh, on the contrary, to have an integration of the two elements was delayed, was destroyed, and so on. Even the new agency for active uh, labor policies that was established by the Renzi's government was built assuming that the constitutional reform would have been approved. Therefore, they had to change again the rules of the agency and so on and so forth. What I'm just saying is that uh, one of the reasons why the youth guarantee didn't work was that uh, it came during a very turbulent, I would say, time of relationships between the state and the region. On the other hand, it's clear that uh, uh, the Italian uh, economy didn't grow very much in those years. Therefore, the uh, labor demand uh, was uh, anyway limited. And the government, again, decided to operate especially through cutting uh, social contributions mm -hmm. by companies. And uh, that was uh, very effective. Uh, and this, in a sense, uh, killed the attention on uh, youth guarantee. I think that uh, this project, uh, this program, should be redesigned, relaunched, uh, not only with the European money, but also with national money. But unfortunately, we are almost at the level where I left uh, this uh, dossier at the beginning of 2014 because of several reasons. Mm. Yes, um, it would be tempting to, uh, let's say, go back to how the current European Commission is trying to uh, redesign and relaunch um, measures like the Youth Guarantee. But um, in fact, I would like to um, end our conversation by coming back to Italian politics. Because the fact that Italy has been struggling for so long with economic stagnation, the lack of investment, uh, the great difficulties to launch uh, programs for social cohesion and employment really took a toll. And if you add the impact of the coronavirus crisis, um, of which uh, uh, clearly Italy has been the first and the foremost victim um, in, in, in the European Union, I think um, it's not a surprise that uh, there is a certain degree of political instability. And um, I think for many of us, the question is what uh, the European Union can do in order to diminish uh, this uh, uh, political instability, which uh, really threatens with very sinister extremist far-right uh, political forces uh, achieving greater uh, prominence. 
so uh, there is clearly a connection between what we described as uh, the economic situation, the social situation, the efforts for um, uh, environmental sustainability on the one hand, and the limitations of this uh, 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 program um, uh, resulting in uh, the political instability and the threat of extremism. What, in your view, uh, should be in the centre of European action uh, to help Italy? Frankly speaking, I think uh, that uh, the best thing that the European Commission could do, first of all, is just to be in the implementation of the uh, recovery and resilience uh, facility. Because the targets, uh, uh, the objectives of uh, the next generation EU are absolutely right, are the right one. Italy will benefit a lot from uh, that facility, but uh, Italy risks not using uh, well that money. It's risking not to twin that money with national resources. While I think that this is a huge opportunity for Italy, even to improve its uh, institutional approach to public uh, policy making. And this is why I hope that the Commission and the Council will be very tough in uh, pretending that Italy does what uh, the guidelines say. For example, uh, developed a serious uh, ex-ante uh, in itinere and ex-post evaluation of policies, which mm-hmm. is completely absent or almost absent in Italy. Mm-hmm. And a political uh, point of view, I well, I can tell you something very nice. Let me ask you a question. Suppose that you are uh, an Italian parliamentarian, you are elected, and you are supposed to stay there for five years. But if uh, you leave, uh, if the parliament is disbanded before four years, six months, and one day, you will not only uh, miss uh, your pension rights uh, when you will be 65, 67, and so on, Mm -hmm. but you you will also lose all the social contributions that you have paid, which is quite unfair, by the way. What would be your uh, reaction? Would you tend to stay at least for four years, six months, and one day in the parliament, no matter what happens to majorities and so on? I would say it it would be human. Mm -hmm. It would be natural especially if uh, you were elected without having, uh, let's say, many other alternatives for your life. What I mean is that uh, uh, thanks to this reform that was made in 2012, uh, all the legislators are, I think, expected to stay for five years. But this doesn't mean that governments will stay for five years. Mm -hmm. At this stage... My guess is that this current government will stay until the end of the natural time, which is uh, 2023, let's say, also because of other internal election procedures, including the president of the republic. And uh, so the issue is to have especially progressive political forces to be able to use this window opportunity really to orient investments, money, reforms in the direction of uh, transforming Italy. Mm -hmm. Five Stars Movement, which has uh, the majority in the parliament, but uh, has a lot of internal problems, lost a lot of parliamentarians, uh, looks uh, 
less, let's say, less convinced about some uh, um, important actions to take, while PD, the Democratic Party, which has less parliamentarian, but could be really in uh, the driving seat for uh, indicating the future, especially because the European Union is implementing a very progressive uh, agenda. Mm. You see what I mean? So uh, being linked to the European priorities, money, and being able to transform also the destination of Italian funds, public funds and private funds, would be the best way to ensure political stability and any way direction in the right sense towards sustainable development. Okay, uh, thank you very much for this um, analysis. Um, I think uh, you highlighted for us that um, in a way the destiny of Italy is very much linked to how the European recovery is managed. And um, we have to uh, work for uh, a progressive recovery, which means that um, uh, not only that we are not losing uh, uh, the green agenda, Uh, while um, generating uh, economic growth after the coronavirus crisis, but we put it into the center. And we restore this organic link between economic, environmental, and uh, social uh, sustainability, on which uh, you can organize festivals in Italy. And hopefully other countries will follow this example, because uh, uh, if, if a country has weaknesses one way, there can be strength, Um, and uh, kind of innovative ideas and solutions in another field. And this is definitely a type of innovation which we should look at. And also social innovation that would be absolutely necessary for managing this uh, transformation that we are hoping for. Thank you very much for the amendment. Thank um, you. Yes, today uh, was Professor Enrico Giovannini. Um, I thank you, Enrico, for this conversation and hope to see you on many other occasions in cooperation with FEMS. With great pleasure. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned. <laughs>